When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, spirituality. And I tried to answer them with stories from the Christian tradition and from my own experience as well. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to take the questions of the day and answer them with stories, although we are departing a little bit from that format with this uh, series on post-traumatic God. So I guess the big question is, what is the post-traumatic God? Or rather, who is the post-traumatic God? That's the question I'm answering today with episode 12. Today we'll be exploring this idea of God as the ground of being, which is one of Paul Tillich's most famous contributions to theology, and a concept of God that's taken some really unique and cool directions in the last couple of years. I'm reading from the book Post Traumatic God, which is a book I wrote in 2016 or finished or was published in 2016. I wrote it long before that uh, out of research from my Doctor of Ministry degree from Erskine Theological Seminary, which I'm uh, proud to be an alumnus from. And this is the chapter God is the Ground of Being. You can find Post Traumatic God, the book, uh, wherever books are sold, and encourage you to give uh, a copy to someone you love that's a veteran or someone that has um, been involved with a veteran or caring for a veteran. Um, hopefully it'll, it charts out a way for people to care for those who, who have been to hell and back. Yet in an age of profound, perplexing, and even frightening change, Millions of people are rediscovering from the deepest human wisdom a simple spiritual reality. We're grounded. Diana Butler Bass in Grounded. The most critical area of disconnection veterans experience is a shattering relationship with God. As a chaplain, I was expected to have a direct line or at least a deep connection with God. I can't count the times soldiers shushed each other's profanity when I came into the room. It was as if God was listening in those moments. They would ask me to cast out demons. They would call me to pray with their sick children. And they expected me to be there if someone died. The old motto in the army of the Army Chaplain Corps is, bringing soldiers to God and God to soldiers. I had a ministry of presence. God's grace was expected to happen when I showed up. Once in Iraq, a young soldier urged me to climb up into his big truck before a combat mission. I climbed up into the cockpit and he showed me the odometer. There on the odometer, plain as day, were the numbers 666. He asked me to do something, so I told him to drive it around the block before the mission. When the link with God is severed in war, chaplains often fake this connection. This can lead to a loss of self-integrity and despair. Paul Tillich's idea of God as the ground of being helped me reconnect with God as I experienced estrangement from God after Iraq. Luther described his own estrangement with God as the Deus Absconditus, the hidden God. But what if God is not only hidden by war, but shattered? Roger Benemoff felt this when he questioned God's compassion. Few chaplains will ever admit a flight to atheism or agnosticism, but most will admit the, to feelings of estrangement. 
Some might even admit their image of God was shattered, like mine was. The god Tillich marched to war with was an idol that shattered in the world he described as one of iron, fire, and blood. The god that emerged after God disappeared, he called the ground of being. In volume one of his systematic theology, Tillich walks the reader through a precise philosophical argument exploring how philosophers and theologians explain the ontology of the world and the ontology of humans. From this metaphysical foundation, Tillich moves to explore the meaning of God. He recognizes that whatever becomes a human being's ultimate concern becomes God. This doesn't mean that God is whatever a person is ultimately concerned about. No, humans often fix their ultimate concern on that which is not ultimate. When this happens, an idol is created. Tillich observed this most often when humans set their ultimate concern on their nation or political party. A nation or a political party becomes demonic and destroys human freedom when it is elevated to a godlike status. Tillich made it clear that the truth about humans cannot be the truth about God. Humans are finite, and God is not. God is not a creature like we are creatures. In fact, Tillich argues that God is not a being among other beings. God is the ground of being itself. God, therefore, can be described as the creative ground of being. Tillich pointed to the God beyond God that Moses spoke with when God allowed Moses to see him walking by. Moses sees God through the symbols and metaphors God gives us, so we encounter God, so we can encounter God. Moses cannot see the ground of being itself, or he must die. What he can see is God walking from behind. For Tillich, the symbol and the deep eternal truth come together in this story. When Tillich said God is not a being among other beings, but the ground of being itself, he became, according to his disciple Rollo May, a dangerous man. The substance of the criticism against him was that he was an atheist. After all, he did say, God does not exist. He is being itself beyond essence and existence. Therefore, to argue that God exists is to deny him. Tillich's insistence on this point came from an encounter with the tyrants of the modern age, no doubt a reference to Hitler, who used terror to, quote, transform everything into a mere object, a thing among things, a cog in the machine that they control. End of quote. God is not a tyrant who is trying to transform humans into cogs in God's machine. Rather, God is where a person finds her being and where a person finds the courage to be oneself. The major objections to Tillich's conception of God comes from theologians who object to describing God as the ground of being since it too easily falls into pantheism. This pantheistic God is not, a pers is not personal, is nothing like the God in the Bible I described earlier. Tillich acknowledges that the dominant emphasis of the Bible is that God is a living God. These anthropomorphisms are expressions of God's character and must be understood as symbols of the depth and power of God's being itself. Tillich pointed out that the Old Testament prophets spoke of God anthropomorphically, while they simultaneously maintained the mystery of the divine ground. Tillich approached this accusation of pantheism in volume one of his Systematic Theology. He said, Pantheist 
has become a heresy label of the worst kind. Tillich defined pantheism as seeing God in the creative power of nature rather than seeing God in everything. God is the absolute substance that is present in everything, the essence of all things. It is meaningless to assert that God is the totality of all things. Tillich disavowed this view because God is then bound into a system of forms and therefore limited. That Tillich's defense against the charge of pantheism convinced his critics is unlikely. Critics have a way of not being swayed. It usually takes an event, often tragic, to shift our thinking in a different direction. In spite of the criticism in Tillich's day, his view of God as the ground of being has slowly gained traction in American theology. Last year, 2015, I guess, Diana Butler Bass's Grounded, Finding God in the World, A Spiritual Revolution, hit the bookshelves to great fanfare. In this beautifully written book, she describes how a purely heavenly God up there is inadequate for the needs of today's world. Instead of looking up to find God, we need to look down. In the ground, we find a grounded God that is intimately involved in every aspect of our planet's life. On page 17, she introduces her readers to a young World War I Army chaplain, Paul Tillich. She describes how he spent more time digging graves than distributing the sacraments. She tells how he said, quote, a certain God had died on the battlefields of Europe. Tillich's description just might be finally taking hold of our theological imaginations. I wish I had read this book by Bass during my difficult days of trying to read Tillich with my post-traumatic mind, trying to find God in the broken relationships and self-destruction of my life. According to Bass, God, has, God was there all along, in the Hesco Bastion, and under the canvas floor of my tent at the Folk Fest. Even while Tillich argued for seeing God as the ground of being, he also made it clear that no one can develop a doctrine of God from any ontological system. Revelation is required, and that is exactly what is given to us in Scripture. If Scripture calls God a person with a name, we must understand that God is a person in absolute and unconditional participation in everything. Even if we say God is a personal God, we should not understand this to mean that God is a person. Tillich noted that the word persona was not used in classical theology for God, but for the Trinity. The 19th century concept of a personal God led to the protest of atheism. This is why Tillich spoke of a personal God as a confusing symbol. Veterans who experience a shattering, a shattering relationship with God may be able to find theological healing through a new understanding of a grounded, post-traumatic God. Tillich's view of God as the ground of being may offer a starting point on such a journey. If Bass's insight is correct, there will be a rise in Christian people finding God in the soil of gardens, and I am sure veterans will be part of this spiritual revolution. Often when I meet a veteran for the first time, he or she will say to me, I'm not religious or anything. Someone, sometimes one will say, I don't believe all that stuff. There's something about a chaplain's uniform or a clergy collar that sometimes prompts people to state their theological positions in the opening salvos of a conversation. When someone throws down like this, I usually follow Tillich's dictum, Love listens. It is the first task to listen, said Tillich. A fine army chaplain, Robert Leathers, once said, 
Listening and love are so close, most people don't know the difference. When I listen to these warriors tell me what they are not, I often hear some amazing theological themes. Some will say they discovered a love of gardening or hiking or some other outdoor activity after they came back from war. Some of us run marathons or ultramarathons. Some do tough mudder mud runs, Spartan races, and ruck marches, like the Go Ruck Challenge. Forrest Gump was not the only veteran who ran long distances after war. As they describe these newfound activities, they will often move into theological reflection on the nature of God and ultimate reality. Sometimes their theology, literally their God talk, will be the opposite of their initial declaration that they are unbelievers. In fact, they are such profound believers that the watered-down religion they grew up with must be rejected at all costs. They have borne witness to the post-traumatic God, but they lack the theological language to describe that God. In time, with this book and others by better theologians than myself, I hope they can. When I think about this chapter, I'm surprised by how short it is. Um, God is the ground of being is certainly a much bigger uh, topic of discussion than just a few pages. And I, I think I was probably, when I wrote this, most concerned about how mushy this concept of God is uh, as the ground of being. As coming, coming from my own fundamentalist background where God was very personal, God was a man with a big beard, probably a white man up in the sky, now, nobody ever said this, but God was very much a, a patriarchal figure um, that you could talk to and would talk to you back, um, not just through nature and not, not just through scripture, but often very directly, um, which is sort of the, um, a shared belief in a lot, with a lot, in a lot of uh, fundamentalist and evangelical Protestant circles, that God, there is no mediator between God and man, as the scriptures say, and that verse is taken to mean that that um, that God's going to talk to you directly. And, and that, that certainly um, seems to be many people's experience. And so when you talk about God as the ground of being, it sounds a lot like um, a kind of depersonalization of God. And it sounds, I think, for a lot of evangelicals and fundamentalists, it sounds like you really don't believe in God anymore. In fact, you, what you're believing is, is pantheism, and pantheism is associated with animism, often for fundamentalists. Animism is that belief that, that um, is often described by people that vis visit indigenous cultures around the world where there are spirits in the woods, there are spirits in the water, there are spirits in different places. And so when you say God is, when you say God is everywhere and God is in all things, that pantheistic, pantheistic charge is um, really devastating, and and that's sort of a one of the main objections of evangelicals to the ground of being, and it's certainly something I was kind of struggling with as I was reading about Tillich's belief in the God as the ground of being, and it's a thing that Tillich engaged with as well. He certainly engaged with that accusation by saying, um, you know, that the that everyone calls him pantheistic, and that's the worst heresy label you can ever get. Um, Tillich might have nuanced it, uh, and others have nuanced it since, to panentheism, that God is sort of in everything in a, in a special way. 
But again, Tillich is trying to keep God free of the normal human uh, strictures and structures. So to even confine God to everything, to, God, to confine God to every tree, flower, newborn baby, um, that's limiting God in a certain way for Tillich. So God is the ground of being. Uh, gets gets us away from that God who, uh, I think, th- this is where the this view this um, concept of God is is a genius move, especially for people that have been traumatized. Because one of the big questions in trauma is where was God when that happened to me, and what they mean what we mean by that is often, I believe that God could stop evil, that God could make good things happen in the world, that God could prevent bad things from happening if you prayed hard enough. So when that bad thing happened to me, God didn't seem to do anything. God seemed to be either hidden, gone, or completely absent. And so that personal God who's sort of up in the sky watching to see if you do bad things, watching to see if you do good things and rewarding you for them, um, really breaks down in trauma because it's the absence of intervention that makes trauma so difficult for us. It's the fact that nobody saved us, nobody rescued us, nobody seemed to care, and especially God. And so God as the ground of being helps people, help me, kind of get out of that trap of this personal God who had all kinds of power. Um, and it helped answer the question, where was God um, in, in the kinds of traumas that I witnessed? And I watched other people witness as well. And uh, Diana Butler Bass's book *Grounded* is is really powerful. Um, her next book was called is called *Grateful*. *Grateful* um, really takes a um, a view uh, of thankfulness and gratefulness um, from both very um, scholarly sources about. It, it feels it, let's just put it this way, and she described her book *Grateful* this way uh, that. There seem to be a lot of books about how to be grateful for everyday things, which are very devotional. And there was some more philosophical books on gratefulness that um, were more uh, looking at the objective reality of gratefulness. But so her book kind of combines this deep a sense of emotional thankfulness that we have, but also the ethical implications of our gratefulness. And uh, it's a brilliant book. There's this really great chart in the book. It looks like a kind of like a bullseye with different four different quadrants of gratefulness and how often we are really good at one little quadrant of gratefulness, but there are other dimensions of it. And I think that's um, one of the one of the responses to trauma is to, to learn how to be thankful again, to learn how to be grateful for things. Uh, there's something about depression. There's something about PTSD that shrinks our worldview and makes it really hard to see good things. I think that book really helped me, and Grounded also helped me uh, sort of take take out the notion of the sky god, because if God is always up in the sky looking down on us, that that's where we feel that God is most hidden in, tra- in traumatic experiences, and yet to to see God in the as the ground of being really helps helped me kind of understand how that relationship works. Um, and maybe this isn't an adequate concept for everybody. Uh, maybe, um, and what I'm arguing here in this book is that sometimes our different views of God, like as the ground of being, are ways to help us cope with trauma, are ways to help us understand our own experience with God. 
so that we don't have to just say, eh, no God, let's move on with life. Um, and that may be a response for some people, but I think a lot of people that grew up in, in Christianity that I've talked to want to retain some kind of belief in God, um, but to, but they only, they only can do that through depersonalizing God. And I heard many sermons growing up about a personal God, and, and Tillich is, is really working hard to try to wrench that away from us, That because that becomes an idol, the, the God that is just like me, uh, is, is a very dangerous God because that God is limited by me and what I will allow God to be and to do. And so uh, when I listen to people talk about God, I try most of the time, I get it right, sometimes I don't, to really listen. The, as Tillich said, love listens. It's the first task to listen and listening and love are so close, as Robert Leather said, most people don't know the difference. So listening to each other about God, and that is theology, is hearing how we understand God. Um, so many people say, you know, I, I, I experience God out of nature. And, and the, the downside of experiencing God in nature is often that it's very solitary. It's very isolating. Uh, to, to really see God in another person is probably the hardest theological tasks. And that's why so many people leave churches, because they feel like these people don't seem to embody who God is and what I understand as God. And so I can I can experience God out of nature a lot easier. And I experience God in nature, and I have and always will. But to be able to see God, as one, one writer said, uh, oh, what's her name? Sorry, I'm forgetting the author. I'll have to look that one up. You know, anyone can see God in a sunset, but can you see God in your neighbor? Um, that's a hard theological task to do, especially when we know about it. We know our own weaknesses and the weaknesses of others. It's hard to do. So I encourage you to, to get into the soil, uh, learn how to garden one plant, maybe. Uh, do some running on the on the road or even on the, the dirt and get out there and into experience God as the ground of being. Um, it certainly helped Tillich, and it certainly helped uh, me, this concept. So uh, just as, as a, a reference note, I talked about Hesco Bastions. If you don't know what that is, uh, Google it. But Hesco Bastion is a, a giant basket um, made of wire, and I believe canvas that you fill with dirt, and you place them around your buildings and around... Uh, other things you want to protect from mortar fire, they, they serve as kind of like giant sandbags, gigantic sandbags to protect uh, people from explosions. And uh, a lot of soldiers in Iraq that I was with would try to grow things in their HESCO um, bastions. They would, um, they would put um, grass seed in there sometimes or tomato plants or there was some really uh, wonderful work done in those baskets of the, in the soil there. And they watered them faithfully every day, even as the temperatures climbed into the 110 range. Um, it was uh, really neat to see some of those some of those gardens grow. And there's a long tradition of soldiers coming back from war and gardening. There's that beautiful painting of the the amputee soldier after World War One who's out in his field. It's called a veteran in the field, and he's out there harvesting grain. Um, it's a beautiful picture. The, there's a botanical garden in Maryland that's uh, 
really, um, it's kind of a swampy botanical garden in Washington, D.C., and part of it's in Maryland, I think. But I went there, and I was really shocked to discover that a veteran, a Civil War veteran, had started it. He was an amputee. His right arm was gone. And he had started this beautiful series of gardens and had donated them to the city after he died as a tribute. And I thought, that's so beautiful to see. I know so many veterans who have started small farms. They work farmer's markets um, to get back into the soil. Uh, the soils we encounter and the dirt that we encounter in war is usually uh, pretty awful. It's one of the hardest parts. It gets in everything. Sand gets in everything, gets in our clothes and our food. And uh, sometimes it's the dirt of war that makes us averse to camping and doing other things like that. But to re-engage with nature, to re-engage with the ground of our being is something that um, I love to hear about and to see happening in the world. So if you're doing that, uh, blessings on you. And if you're um, thinking of doing it or trying to find ways to do it, let me know. And there's some really good programs and mentors that will help guide veterans and other people that have been through trauma uh, towards these kinds of healing relationships with the earth. So uh, th thanks for listening to the Dear Padre podcast today, um, episode 12, or whatever episode number this is. Um, until next time, take care.
I treat the beat like it's a reverend. I tell the truth like, Father, forgive me. These are all my confessions. Sean Anderson, Big Sean, in Blessings. Thank you.